This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Jacob Gray? First, I'll look at the background of this case, move to the timeline of the disappearance, and offer my analysis. Jacob Gray was raised in Santa Cruz, California. His father, Randy, and his mother, Laura, divorced in 2013. In 2017, 22-year-old Jacob lived with his grandmother in Port Townsend, Washington. In early April of that year, Jacob told his mother that he was planning on riding his bicycle across the United States to Vermont. His older brother was in the U.S. Coast Guard and was stationed in Vermont. Jacob thought that the trip might take two years to complete. His plan was to stop at various points along his journey. He would perform seasonal work, like working on a farm. Jacob had a bicycle that his father won in a raffle at a contractor's show. He made several modifications to the bicycle. He attached a piece of plywood behind the seat and bolted milk crates to it. He also towed a yellow and red child trailer behind the bicycle. In preparation for his trip across the country, he traveled to a local Goodwill store. He loaded the milk crates and the trailer with a number of items, including a tent, first aid kits, a toolbox, fuel bottles, dehydrated meals, a stove, wool blankets, pots, pans, duct tape, climbing equipment, a bow and arrows, a sleeping bag, bungee cords, tarps, a poncho, and a Bible. He really packed a lot into that small space. Jacob was prepared for his adventure. Now moving to the timeline of the disappearance. On the night of April 4, 2017, Jacob Gray started his journey on his bicycle while towing the trailer. He made his way to Olympic National Park, to the west of where he lived. Jacob had told people that he was heading east. Again, he wanted to go across the country to Vermont. It may have been that Jacob was simply testing his equipment, like he was not ready for his primary journey yet. Jacob did not have his phone with him. Perhaps he did not plan on being gone too long. Several witnesses would later report seeing Jacob the next day, April 5, at various places in the park. On April 6, a woman spotted Jacob on Sol Duke Hot Springs Road, just a few miles from Route 101. Later, that same witness saw Jacob's bicycle and trailer on the side of that same road at mile marker 6.3. This was about 80 miles from the house where Jacob lived with his grandmother. The equipment being there was so unusual, the witness even took a photograph of it. A tarp had been spread out next to the bicycle. Near the tarp, four arrows were stuck in the ground, forming an east-west line. Jacob's bow was lying on the ground next to the arrows. Olympic Park Rangers investigated on the afternoon of April 6. They noticed the bicycle, the trailer, the tarp, and the rest of the equipment sitting 40 feet from the Solduck River. The Rangers concluded that both the bicycle and the trailer were in good operating condition. There was no evidence of a collision or any other reason why the equipment would have been abandoned. They thought that maybe Jacob was nearby. Perhaps he walked to the river to refill his water container. Maybe he fell into the river and was swept downstream. 
the water temperature was below 40 degrees, it wouldn't take long for hypothermia to set in. The rangers figured they would check the river in the summer when the water went down. I'm guessing this is right after they picked up their compassionate and sensitive Rangers of the Year awards. There's a sense that these rangers wrote off Jacob from the very beginning. No one would accuse them of having an elevated sense of hope. They were pretty direct to the point of being callous. On April 7, rangers searched Jacob's belongings and found a list of phone numbers. They called Jacob's sister, Mallory. They explained how they were pretty busy. Olympic National Park is a big place, and there weren't that many rangers due to budget cuts. They had a plane crash there recently and another missing person to contend with. They didn't feel as though a full-scale search was something that could happen considering the level of demands on their time. The rangers took photographs of Jacob's belongings and then stored them in a boathouse on Crescent Lake. Randy, Jacob's father, and Mallory, his sister, drove from Santa Cruz, California to Olympic National Park in Washington, arriving on April 11. Jacob's mother, Laura, and her cousin flew to a nearby airport and drove to the park. Park officials were still not enthusiastic about conducting an extensive search. They hadn't really looked for Jacob in any meaningful way. Again, they were pretty sure that he was dead. Family members convinced them to assist with the search, but the rangers were still not willing to commit a lot of resources. They even turned down an offer by the Coast Guard to send a helicopter to help with the search. On April 12, volunteer trackers joined in the search. If Jacob fell into the river, he probably would not have traveled more than a mile, which narrowed down the search area. The trackers found evidence that a person had switched hiking boots for running shoes, made their way to the edge of the river, and fell off of a rock. They found a mark that was made in the moss on the rock. About 90 feet downstream, they found evidence that someone had struggled to get out of the river. For all they knew, the signs that they were observing could have meant something completely different or nothing at all. Even if they were correct about what happened and a person fell into the river and climbed out of it, they didn't know if it was Jacob. On April 13, a dog team arrived at the scene. The dogs did not find anything meaningful. The rangers felt as though the situation was hopeless, which was in their comfort zone. They figured that if Jacob fell into the river, he was dead in under 20 minutes. If Jacob had survived, they would have found him nearby. All this searching was a waste of time. The rangers were still not willing to expend substantial resources to conduct a search. They designated the search for Jacob as a passive search. Even after the search was over, Jacob's father Randy did not give up. He bought a Dodge pickup truck and a slide-in camper and continued to search. On August 10, 2017, a team of biologists were near the top of a ridge above Ho Lake in Olympic National Park. This was about 15 miles from where Jacob left his bicycle. The team found the remains of Jacob Gray. His body was not located near any trail. The area where it was found would have been covered in snow when he disappeared. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. 
Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today. Here are the belongings that were found with Jacob's body. Several items of clothing, including a wool jacket, gloves, a cap, and socks. A pair of boots, which had been wrapped in trash bags individually. Jacob wasn't wearing them. His wallet, containing items like identification, credit cards, and insurance cards. A cigarette lighter, a compass, a hammock, tarps, a hiking pole, a leatherman tool, a Bible, and a backpack. The backpack was small. It contained various food items, fishing hooks, a water filter, additional socks, and a silver emergency blanket, which had been opened. Noticeably absent from his belongings was a sleeping bag. It was with his bicycle and the trailer. He never took it with him. The cause of death was ruled inconclusive, although it's believed that Jacob died from hypothermia. This may explain why he took his boots off. People suffering from hypothermia often feel warm, so perhaps Jacob felt as though he was warm and took the boots off to cool down. Another possibility is that he was trying to keep his boots dry. It's not clear if Jacob became lost and died from exposure, or if he allowed himself to die from exposure. Now moving to my analysis. When Jacob Gray first disappeared, there were a number of theories about what happened to him. The rangers were fairly confident that he had fallen into the river and died. Some people believed that Jacob ran away to start a new life. Perhaps he walked to the main road and was picked up by somebody. After that, he just wandered across the country. Others thought that Jacob became lost and died from hypothermia. It appears as though this group was correct. They were definitely right about the dying part. It's not clear if Jacob had been lost or not. After Jacob's body was discovered, there were many questions about what happened and why it happened. Why didn't Jacob take his phone with him? Was he really going on a test run, or did he not want to be found? Why did Jacob go to an area of the park with a bicycle and a trailer combination that weighed more than he did? It was not an efficient setup. Why did he prepare so carefully only to abandon his equipment in an area where it could be easily seen from the road and stolen? Why did he put the arrows in the ground to form a line? Why did Jacob climb up a mountain 15 miles away? Why did he seem so unprepared for the cold weather? Looking at Jacob's background may give us some idea of what happened. Jacob was described as introverted. He was quiet, analytical, and liked to spend time alone. Perhaps that's why hiking appealed to him. One time he walked from Santa Cruz to San Francisco. He became hungry during the journey. He called his sister to bring him food, which she did. Jacob really liked to wander and not have any responsibilities. 
When Jacob's parents divorced, it was hard on him. He had difficulty adjusting to it and difficulty making the transition to being an adult. It's like he never really knew how to grow up. He didn't know what he wanted to do as far as a career, education, or relationships. He could not or would not make any decisions. He once tried out modeling, even auditioning for Disney, but again, he didn't really seem to know what he wanted to do with a career. It seems likely that Jacob was depressed. Jacob appeared to be looking for some answers through his religious beliefs. In the Bible he was carrying with him, a particular passage was circled, Isaiah 34, 14. The desert creatures will meet with the wolves. The hairy goat also will cry to its kind. Yes, the night monster will settle there. It's not clear if Jacob thought of himself as the wolf, the goat, or the night monster. Maybe he did not identify with any of those things. When looking at this passage in the context of Isaiah 34, it is really talking about the consequences of God's vengeance upon the world, the great tribulation. There will be a terrible ecological disaster. The land will only be inhabited by wild animals. Continuing past verse 14, we see that the night monster finds a place of rest for herself. Looking at the history of the term night monster as it's used in this chapter, it is sometimes thought of as a beautiful demon of the night who seduces men and kills children. I wonder if Jacob thought of himself as being seduced by a beautiful demon or thought of himself as joining with the wild animals as if he was separate from the human race. He was at peace with nature and therefore not subject to the vengeance of God. Or maybe he just liked wolves and goats. There's really no way to know why he circled that particular passage, but I find it interesting that the passage is connected to both destruction and wild animals. There seems to be a parallel here to Jacob, who died in the wilderness. Considering the evidence in this case, what do I think happened? This is just a theory, my opinion. I think that Jacob did intend to wander around the country. He started heading west with the intent of heading east later. Two years is a long trip. It's a long time to spend alone or virtually alone. He was searching for answers, perhaps for the meaning of life. Maybe he wanted to find some direction. When he pulled alongside the road not far from the river, he decided that he was going to climb a mountain. He knew that he would have to leave his bicycle and trailer behind to do this. Maybe he thought that no one would bother those items. Maybe he didn't care. I don't know if there's any special significance to him lining up the arrows in the ground. Maybe he was just moving them out of the way as he searched for food and other items to take on his hike. Jacob knew that he was taking a chance by hiking such a long distance without a sleeping bag, but he was depressed and reckless. He knew that the silver emergency blanket was not sufficient to keep him warm, but perhaps he didn't care. Jacob hiked 15 miles which included climbing up a mountain, he died from exposure. He may not have been lost. After all, he had a compass. Maybe he was disoriented by the hypothermia. He was either incapable or unwilling to get himself to safety. The Olympic Park rangers were not very helpful, which included refusing a helicopter because they assumed Jacob was rational. So the locations where he could have made his way to would have been those that a rational person would have selected. If the rangers had allowed the helicopter to search, Jacob may have been spotted 
on his way to the mountain or climbing up the mountain. It would seem as though mental health factors are often ignored by law enforcement. In this particular case, it may have cost Jacob his life. Considering that Jacob left his bicycle and trailer on the side of the road, the rangers should not have assumed that he would make the best decisions in order to preserve his life. They knew that his disappearance started with odd behavior. It stands to reason that the odd behavior would continue. Now moving to my final thoughts. Sometimes when people are searching for meaning in life, the cognitive, emotional, and spiritual journey becomes expressed as a physical journey. They convert all those feelings and thoughts into physical activity. They want to make it real. They want to make the journey tangible. Jacob was wandering through the wilderness of his mind, cold, afraid, and unprepared. Therefore, he decided to take that same journey in a real wilderness. A failed spiritual journey may lead to a temporary feeling of discontentment. A failed physical journey through the wilderness may lead to a permanent negative outcome. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there.